Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Grace to you and peace In the name of Jesus, amen It's a great joy to worship with you. I've been paying attention to what the Holy Spirit's been doing back when some of you said, no, we're going to continue as a congregation in the ELCA. So seriously, you threw the money changers out of the bank and you turned it into a church. That's just pretty amazing. And so I want to thank you. And the last two years have been especially challenging to be the church, as you know. But thank you for continuing to proclaim the gospel and for the ways you, each of you here in the online community, live out your daily faith, your faith in your daily lives among friends and family and workplace and schools as citizens, as caretakers of God's creation. And a special thanks to Pastor Nathan and your staff. You know, it's okay for us to be un-Lutheran-like and give it up on a Sunday morning, as my kids would say, an expression of thanks to Pastor Nathan and your staff. Give it up means whoop it up, you know. I don't want to go home and tell my kids that they didn't know what give it up means in Elk River. And by the way, uh, as you know, for 12 years I was presiding bishop of the ELCA, and for seven of those years I also led the Lutheran World Federation. So I led the Lutherans globally. So I spent most of my time traveling all over the world. And over and over again, in villages and refugee camps and IDP camps, I kept seeing LWR quilts. So lest you think these end up in a warehouse someplace, that is not true. So thank you for the work you continue to do in the gifts of those quilts. I want to bring greetings from uh, Pastor (laughs) President Paul Pribino. I have flunked retirement three times, so I'm still at Augsburg University part-time. I direct our new Interfaith Institute, and um, Augsburg is a, one of the 26 college universities of the LCA, a marvelously diverse community. 65% of our incoming students the last three years are students of color from families for the first generation of college students, and that's part of what it means to be the ELCA in ministry and mission. I told a pastor friend that I would be preaching this Sunday, and it's only the second time since the pandemic when I'm actually preaching in a congregation. And my friend's response was, oh, those poor people. (laughs) Now, this is a friend who keeps teasing me about how long I preach. I think it's beyond teasing. (laughs) And now my friend said, and they're going to get two years' worth of backed-up preaching? And then my friend said, oh, those lucky folks that are watching online, they can get up and go get a cup of coffee at least. So, In our reading from Luke's gospel, we heard Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
Jesus set his face. This morning, you who are here and you who turned on, are turning in online chose to set your face to Elk River Lutheran Church. Among all the places and the persons upon whom you could have set your face, you said, no, I'm going to set my face here. Why? That's not a rhetorical question. If you know me, you're going to have to answer it, and not with the person you live. So find somebody quick and tell them, why did you set your face and come to Elk River or tune in online this morning among all the places you could have set your face? Come on, if it's just like, I have no idea, I just got here, be honest. But turn to someone, not, not someone you live with. Come on. Okay, one more question. So now that you did turn your face here, what did you come expecting the Holy Spirit would do because you're here in your life? Come on. Turn, and if you came with no expectations of the Holy Spirit, just be honest. We can be telling the truth. Come on, turn to somebody else. What did you come expecting the Holy Spirit to do today? There, there were times when I was presiding bishop that I used to think ELCA stood for expectations low climbing anxiety. <laughs> that we were a church with low expectations of the Holy Spirit and lots of anxiety about sex and conflict and resources. Okay, I got that off my chest. <laughs> Up till now in Luke's gospel, go back and read upon whom Jesus had been setting his face where he had been paying attention. It was to a person with an unclean spirit. It was to Simon's mother-in-law who was sick. It was to a leper. It was to this motley crew out of which he called 12 to be his disciples. It was Jesus setting his face on a crowd on the plain and began to teach them to whom this reign of God's justice and mercy would come. Jesus said, it's going to come to those who are poor. It's going to come to those who are grieving, to those who are hated and persecuted and then Jesus set his face on that crowd and spoke words of woe and warning beware if you are the rich if you are the, those who are satisfied and full in your stomachs beware if people speak well of you Jesus face was set on a crowd when Jesus said love your enemies do good to those who hate you but now Jesus is turning his face to Jerusalem. Not been to the seat of power before. But now Jesus knew he was about to go into the center of religious and political power and there would be a horrific confrontation that would lead to his crucifixion. Why? Because of those upon whom Jesus had been setting his face because Jesus had had the audacity to suggest that the very people whom the powerful religious and political leaders deemed to be unworthy, to be unacceptable, to be unwelcome, to be untouchable, Jesus had the audacity to say no to such as these, the reign of God's grace and love and justice and mercy is given. 
And Jesus knew that was simply too threatening to the powerful. And for that, he would be crucified. And yet still, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Nothing would distract Jesus now from Jesus' absolute determination to go to Jerusalem. So I'm curious, if I ask someone who knows you very well, on whom or on what do you set your face with such focus that little can distract you from your attention? It may be a person, it may be a person, a a way of life, it may be a purpose, something about your life that those who know you best say, wow, you really are focused, you really are determined, you really are committed. What would that be? Where would that be? Okay, the questions get harder, don't they? Wait till we get to the catechism, folks. Um, <laughs> turn to somebody else, those who know you best, what would they say becomes the focus of your life? A person a grandchild, a way of life, your own health. What, what gets your face to focus your life and energies on it? Come on, turn to somebody. Make something up if you need to. You know, we have cameras so we can tell who's not participating. <laughs> and you will be publicly shamed at that meeting afterwards, so. Okay, one more question. If I moved to Elk River and became your neighbor and I said that I'm looking for a church home, where do you go to church? And you said Elk River Lutheran Church. And I said, hmm. So what's the focus of Elk River Lutheran Church's ministry? On what do you set your face and from which you won't be detracted and deterred? What would you tell me? Turn to somebody. What is the focus of your being this part of the body of Christ as Elk River Lutheran Church? Come on, turn to somebody quick. This is not counting for my time that my friend is going to ask me how long I preached. So on the way to Jerusalem, while Jesus had set his face, he obviously got tired and needed a place to stay. So he sent his disciples ahead to prepare a place in the village of the Samaritans. Not acceptable to most Jews, but Jesus had been attentive in using Samaritans as an example of what it means to be good neighbors. But the Samaritans said no. Jesus' face is set to Jerusalem. He obviously doesn't have time for us. No place to stay here. And how did the disciples respond? They were furious. Lord, do you, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They asked Jesus. Suddenly their rage, the disciples' rage, became a distraction for Jesus from focusing as face on going to Jerusalem. And how did Jesus respond to their wanting to take revenge? Jesus rebuked them and simply said, let's go on our way to another village. Oh, Jesus, I think we need your rebuke again today. We are witnessing such vengeance, such 
hatred, such anger, such dehumanizing and demonizing other people in this culture today. And yet, yes, it comes from all voices across the whole political spectrum. But as a Christian, I need to say how troubling it is for me to see the anger that comes from people who think that to follow Jesus means we must perpetuate systems and policies and attitudes and actions that preserve our power and privilege as white Christians in a now radically, increasingly, richly diverse society. The anger that comes from people that equate becoming a Pentecost church of many languages and many people and many traditions somehow becomes for them a taking away their white privileged Christian life in this country. Jesus refused to get distracted by the disciples' anger because Jesus' face was set not on revenge and anger, but on God's work of reconciliation. Jesus' face was set not on building up more walls to separate us from those whom we don't agree to keep out those we think are a threat to our way of life. Jesus' face was focused on tearing down those walls we create and turning them into tables to which all are welcome. Jesus' face was focused on taking the lines that we draw in the sand, and I think we're setting them in concrete, frankly, that define who we think are acceptable and who is not, who is worthy to be in God's kingdom, who is not, who can be our neighbors and our fellow church members and who should not. And Jesus takes those lines in the sand and turns them into wide circles of welcome into community of Christ's body, the church, where love and justice and equity become our way of life. In our baptisms, we are joined to Christ's death and resurrection and then given the power of the Holy Spirit to follow the way of Jesus in our daily life. But that takes discipline because there are so many distractions that want to turn our face to other places. So as a reminder of God's baptismal calling in your life to follow the way of Jesus every day, what if every morning when you got up, maybe when you're standing in the shower, you put your hand on your head, you put your hand on your heads, this is a clue here, Remembering how water was poured over you in baptism. And then every morning, keep it up there, come on, you're not done yet. <laughs> Remembering how water was poured over you in baptism, in baptism and then say, I am baptized. I am, baptized. I am a child of God. I belong to Jesus Christ. Today I am called to follow the way of Jesus. And then make the sign of the cross, the mark of the one to whom you belong. I can tell you this, from the Gospels we know, that following the way of Jesus will cause displacement in our lives and our ministry of congregations. 
It will mean not looking back, as your theme says. It will mean being opened up to the adventures the Holy Spirit has before us, as you know so well when you formed this congregation. Following the way of Jesus, I think, means for us who are white Christians in this society so embroiled in tensions over racial justice, it's going to mean that we will be displaced from our positions and our comfortable positions of privilege in this culture, and it will mean we need to focus our face on confronting our own biases, our own racism, while being moved to stand with those who are marginalized, who are excluded, who are waiting to be welcomed, who are even demonized because of their race, because of their immigration status, because of their sexual orientation, because of their religious practices, because of the language they speak at home. When we set our face to following Jesus, it means that those on the margins are going to become the center of our lives and ministries not just as objects of charity, not just to make us feel good about ourselves, but so that together the Holy Spirit working through us can build the beloved community where justice-making and peacekeeping and neighbor-serving and self-honoring and creation-caring love become the way we follow Jesus each day. Yes, Setting our face to follow Jesus calls for discipline, and it will mean displacement, and it calls for discernment. This is not easy, folks. We can't do it on our own. When I was presiding bishop, I was also CEO of the church-wide organization. It's a big, complex organization. And some days, Pastor Wybetta Bullock, who was, my, uh, who was the executive for administration, the COO's office next to me, and there were some days when I'd been in meetings all day about reconciling budgets and about strategic planning, and then I read some emails of how the people were so angry at the presiding bishop and the ELCA, and I would go in and I would plunk down in Wybetta's office and I'd say, Wybetta, do you think we even came close today to what Jesus had in mind? when Jesus said, come and follow me? It's a good question for us to ask as congregations. Are we coming close to what Jesus had in mind when he said, follow me? It's a good question to ask the people with whom you live and love. Do you think we're coming close to what Jesus had in mind? It's going to cause disruption to our lives disruption to important daily tasks of our living and loving. Jesus said, come and follow me. And one said, just a minute, let me go bury my father. Nope, let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me, Jesus said to another. Let me at least go home and say goodbye. Nope, sorry, no time for that. Don't put your hand to the plow, come on. We've got kingdom work to do. We've got the love of God to share. We've got justice and peace work to be about. Could Jesus be telling us that to follow Jesus, to set our face on following Jesus, is going to even disrupt things that we deem to be important in our lives? 
for the sake of sharing the good news with somebody else. Maybe sometimes it's even going to disrupt our worship like it's going to do right now. If you have a cell phone, take it out, please. And if you don't, come on, take out your cell phones. I know most of you have it. Turn them on quick. Come on. Turn on your cell phones. If you don't have one, think about who you'd call. <coughs> and if you have one but you're not taking it out, there'll be a confession you have to make. Okay, did you turn it on? Now think of who you're going to call. You're going to call someone and say, I just, I have such good news, I couldn't wait to tell you. God loves you, and so does Jesus, and so do I. Come on, let's start calling people. Somebody that you think deserves to hear right now that God loves them. They're a child of God. Tell them you're in worship. At home, come on, you can do this. I want to hear a lot of people talking. I did this once at an assembly, and this guy ran up. He said, I called my mother. She absolutely refuses to tell me to believe a bishop told me to do this, so you tell her God loves her. <laughs> Come on, and if you're not doing this, who are you going to call as soon as you get home? Here we go. Just this, this is not being taken from my time here. tell you God loves you. I'm in the middle of my sermon. Hello. I'm calling to tell you God loves you. I'm in the middle of my sermon. Because I'm asking everybody else to do the same thing, so I had to do it too. I'll talk to you later. I love you. Bye. Okay. So I called a colleague that's working in northern Iraq. She's leading the Lutheran World Federation projects in restoring communities that have been devastated by ISIS and U.S. bombing. And she, I think I woke her up because she said, why are you calling me in the middle of a sermon? I said, to tell you God loves you. Really? Are you, why are you doing this? Okay. Go home and do it. People deserve to hear the good news. But here's the final word. You were waiting for that, weren't you? <laughs> when am I going to hear final word? We don't follow Jesus on our own. We don't set our face to following Jesus on our own. We only do that because of the gift of the Holy Spirit given to us who continues to work through us. The disciples wanted rage and to rain down from heaven when the Samaritans said, no room here. And God, Jesus rebuked that request. But on Pentecost, another fire came down from heaven. It was the fire of the Holy Spirit that anointed people, giving them courage to follow Jesus, courage to develop a different kind of economy where everyone was given something according to their needs and all people shared everything in common. The Holy Spirit came down and gave power to create richly diverse communities, not divided, but sharing in the love of God and Christ Jesus. 
So I'm going to end by praying for the Holy Spirit to anoint you as individuals in a congregation as you continue to follow the way of Jesus. So will you put your hand on someone's head or if you don't want to touch them because of COVID, just above their head. And I'm not going to pray till I see everyone with somebody's hand on your head and your hand. On, and at home, if you're alone, put your hand on your head. And if you're with somebody, stretch it out. Your hand is not on anyone's head, Pastor. There you go. Let us pray. God in heaven, for Jesus' sake. You don't have to repeat this, okay. But you're so obedient, I'm impressed. I will pray, you anoint. God in heaven, for Jesus' sake, stir up in these your people the gift and power of your spirit. Confirm their faith, guide their lives, empower them in their serving and in their following the way of Jesus. Give them patience and suffering and bring them to everlasting life. In the name of Jesus, we all say, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.